your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, hello again, friends. Welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I hope you are uh, having a great weekend. Hopefully you're staying warm or dry wherever you are. Maybe watching some weekend sports and having a, a couple of cold ones alongside some snacks. We'll be going over some of the score lines from around the league this evening and taking a look at some of the recent standings updates, including some movements and maybe some interesting storylines as we get into the heart of the season heading into the playoff run. As always, if you enjoy this episode and want to catch up on any previous episodes you may have missed or stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app, so you'll never miss a beat no matter what weird thing the Jets throw at us next. Like I said earlier, though, tonight's episode is going to be devoted to looks around the league, so let's start off with a couple of games from yesterday when the Jets were playing Vancouver. Of course, we know the Jets ended up winning in a great shutout effort from Laurent Brassois, but what about the rest of the league? Well, uh, Carolina defeated Chicago 5-3. This was a very high-scoring game, and of course, Carolina's offense continues to be a very scary, potent force, and the Blackhawks, while they are able to capitalize on mistakes and occasionally hit you on really fast counters, I think we also know that they have a very thin roster right now, and they have a lot of aging veterans. They're still missing Jonathan Taves, and they have a lot of guys that you probably haven't heard of stepping up in big roles. I think one of the bigger stories has probably been Kevin Lankinen's ascendance inside the net, a rise to glory that I'm not really sure anyone was expecting. You know, that that team's defense and structure is pretty poor, which it, it definitely forces a lot of action towards the goaltender, so... Lankinen has definitely been kept busy, and it's a great testament to the the performances that he's put out that he's actually looked pretty decent and occasionally gotten Chicago either close to wins or at least kept them within shooting distance. The next game wasn't quite as close, with Florida walloping Detroit 7-2. And of course, I think Detroit fans probably expect at least a few of these kinds of losses, but, you know, it has to be very disheartening where Detroit at times will play pretty decent hockey, but then there are so many other parts of the team that don't work. Their special teams and their even strength play are actually scoring at very similar rates, which is pretty depressing if you think about the special teams being a bit of a train wreck. If you can't actually outscore your opponents with the man advantage over what you normally do at even strength, and it's not like Detroit's offense is particularly vaunted, you know, that's probably not a great sign. I'm sure Blashill is probably very upset with the performance on, on the power play and whatnot because... Detroit has to find ways to maximize advantages here. You know, even though they're probably soft tanking, they still at least want to play competent hockey. I think that that's the biggest way to go about it, and you don't want to be putting in performances like this where you just get shredded everywhere. That said, I wouldn't say that this is particularly out of expectation, so I'm I'm sure that to some degree Detroit understands where they, they sit in the standings, and they understand that this season probably will be a little bit difficult. Speaking of difficult seasons, up next we had Edmonton and Calgary, and Edmonton won 2-1. Both of the Albertan teams have had a bit of a rocky start to the season. I think Calgary in particular doesn't really seem to have a lot of consistency in their game. Their goaltending is okay. The defense is okay. The the, the top lines are, are capable of hurting you, especially on the power play and special teams. But the rest of the roster is very up and down. I feel like their depth forwards are just sort of mediocre, and while they do have some really good top-end talent in guys like Yusuf Alamaki and Johnny Goudreau, um, Elias Lindholm, I think overall that roster is a little bit too weak right now. You know, Milan Lucic is probably one of the bigger play-driving contributors, so that's kind of concerning if you're a Flames fan. 
there are maybe some reinforcements uh, coming in the form of prospects down the road, but who knows if you, you know, a guy like Matthew Phillips is going to be able to cut it at this level. I'm personally a big believer in Phillips, but I think that that team, generally speaking, needs a really big talent injection. Rosmus Anderson, Yusuf Alamaki, all those guys are definitely really important for your back end, but you also need some really high-end scoring up front, and that's something that the, the Flames continue to chase right now, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to find it anytime soon. It's kind of getting to the point where the, the Flames are dangerously teetering on a, a grounds where they have to figure out whether or not the time is now to start thinking about a rebuild. Let's be honest, the Flames roster is getting older, it's not really been super competitive over the last few seasons, and at present I think the best that they can hope for is like a playoff appearance. I think they're in, in much worse straits in some ways than the Jets because Winnipeg at least has a pretty decent pipeline. When it comes to drafting, I really trust Winnipeg scouts, and for the most part the Jets have actually drafted very well. You know, regardless of where they're picking, they've generally made smart choices, and if they overdraft someone it's because they really believe in that player's abilities and they actually think there is a... a NHL players somewhere down the road that's more likely to make an impact than some of the other project players. Usually I say best player available, but I also understand the way the Jets do things, and generally speaking it's paid off handsomely. Winnipeg's depth scouting remains very good. I look at the Flames though and I think that that's a squad that's probably not really fared quite as well. Mangiapane of course has now become an increasingly important part of that team, and he was another undersized player who, you know, was picked and drafted later just because, again, he's a small kid. I think a lot of people were thinking he wasn't going to crack it at the NHL level, but we're finding out that that's not the case. And I also will give them credit for some of the European scouting that they've done. I think they've brought in some really good prospects, especially on their blue line, but just generally speaking, I, I kind of wonder what the future of Calgary holds. You look at Edmonton, and this is a roster where the Oilers are very top-heavy, just about every respect. You know, their defense isn't great, but of course they have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl to mask a lot of their issues. And getting a guy like Yesapuya Yarvi finally integrated into the lineup is only going to make that, that first couple of lines even more dangerous. Puya Yarvi is a great player, so, you know, I think the Oilers are going to be looking a little bit better, but of course their, their biggest issue remains that their depth players are not particularly great. The third and fourth lines are still sore spots as far as I'm concerned, and like their, their depth defenders are okay, but... Just generally speaking, I think that that roster is still a couple of pieces away from really capitalizing on the talent. You can only ask McDavid to do so much. And despite his ability to control shifts and basically change the, the tempo of the game, he can only be on the ice for, you know, 25, 30 minutes at most on the crazy, crazy, crazy high end, which I don't think you'll really be seeing from him. But the, the approximate version of what they would do that for forwards is probably what you'll see the Oilers continue to do as they try and figure out ways to, to get, you know, supplemental scoring and play driving ability from the rest of the roster. That, that team can still make noise in the postseason. I just don't expect it to be a ton of noise in the same way that I don't think that Winnipeg making the playoffs will actually result in much for the Jets. Weird things happen and, and the situations could always change, but generally speaking, I think the Northern Division tends to be on the weaker side. And Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, all of these teams are sort of falling under the, the mediocrity umbrella. So, you know, I, I don't know what, what's going to happen in the postseason or if we even have a postseason, but hopefully the Jets make the most noise. We'll get another look at them tomorrow evening late. It's another 10 p.m. Eastern start time for me, 9 p.m. Central for you folks. And we'll see if Winnipeg can steal another win on the road, especially with their schedule about to get quite a bit harder. In just a moment, we'll take a look at today's scorelines because there were quite a few more NHL games and a couple are still ongoing right now, including Vegas, Colorado, which is one of the marquee outdoor games over the weekend. But of course, the Sun has different plans and ended up making the ice unplayable. So it's not going to restart until around midnight tonight. Who knows if anyone's even going to be awake to watch it. Before we move on to the rest of today's NHL action, I thought you should know a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. For one thing, BetOnline is the fastest, safest, most reliable, and easiest way to bet on 
on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. And if those aren't up your alley, they've also got international football, MMA, and so much more. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you think you know who the next Stanley Cup champion is going to be, or you know who's getting voted off your favorite reality TV show, BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, score lines, and odds you need to make the best bets possible. Getting started is super easy, and it's free. Head on over to betonline.ag or use your mobile device, and when you register for a free account, use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up for betonline.ag. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're getting some league updates on the action that occurred today, and we'll also be taking a look at the standings in just a little bit. But before we get too far, I thought you should know a little bit about why Locked on Today needs to be one of your best podcasts in your rotation. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now for a look around today's NHL scorelines. Starting the day off, we had Buffalo beating New Jersey 3-2. You did indeed hear me correctly. Buffalo has actually won a game and actually scored goals, which is something that the uh, the, the Sabres have had a lot of trouble doing this year. You know, for, for as much as Buffalo actually did play decent hockey, I think the biggest issue for them is that there are so many other parts of the team that just haven't quite clicked yet. And so I'm sure it's been very frustrating to see them, you know, for a lot of the fans, really struggle to actually string together competent wins and, and score goals. The Devils kind of sit on the other end of that spectrum where they're not exactly uh, playing great hockey, but, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood and some of the really young players and and prospects that have made the lineup have made things interesting for Devils fans. New Jersey is definitely still a work in progress, and Elaine Nezredin is probably not the best manager to to helm that team, but thus far, Blackwood has been a Vezina-caliber goalie, so, you know, maybe they have a shot at doing something, maybe making some noise if they can make the postseason. Still a long ways away from that being a reality, though, and of course, I'm sure the Devils believe that they have a lot of work to do in they actually do. They need to make a number of improvements, and you you know that roster is not super deep, so we'll see what shakes out with them. Up next, we had the New York Rangers beating the Washington Capitals 4-1. to Washington had a pretty strong start to the game, but the problem was is they couldn't actually score goals, and then they ended up conceding a bunch. Igor Shosturkin was in net for the Rangers, and he seemed to have a very good first period, which seemed to set the tempo for the rest of the game. The, the Capitals, I think, are one of those teams where I, for the most part, do think that they are a very good squad, but I do have questions about the coaching. I'm not a big Laviolette fan. And something about Washington just seems a little bit off right now. Like, they're, they're a strong squad on the whole, and the roster definitely has a lot of good talent. But the way it's actually used and how some of the players, I don't know, perform out there, it doesn't leave me entirely convinced. I'm sure losing to the Rangers, though, probably feels better than the Florida Panthers, who, after beating uh, Detroit 7-2 yesterday, lost 2-1. Back-to-backs are always very difficult to win both games, but I'm sure the Panthers were expecting their hot streak to continue and that they were going to sweep this two-game series. Didn't quite happen. Detroit rallied after a very rough stretch of uh, yesterday's play where they basically got thrashed by the Panthers. And look, Florida's a pretty decent team, and they've shown that this year they might actually be the real thing. But the Red Wings also don't want to just roll over either. They want to prove that they have a lot to show for it and actually prove that they have a, a good foundation for future success. You know, the, the Red Wings have had a, a lean several years, and I'm sure Iserman wants to put on some kind of a decent show. Speaking of decent performances from rebuilding squads, we also have the LA Kings beating the Arizona Coyotes 4-2. The Yotes have actually been scoring quite a few goals. Connor Garland's been one of their top players. 
But the Kings continue to be a really surprising team every now and then. You know, their goaltending with Quick is a little bit questionable, and of course the defense is very uh, a mishmash of some prospects, um, some players who were toiling around in the minors for a bit before getting called up, and then you've got some older veterans like Doughty. But some of the younger players like Kempe, Ayafalo, and now Gabriel Velarde, who's starting to get into form and really make a, an impact on this team alongside the veterans like Kopitar and Brown, they have a surprisingly balanced roster. I wouldn't say it's a great one. That team still has a lot of notable weaknesses, and of course they are definitely still in full rebuild mode as they get ready for the Byfield era. But you have to like Todd McClellan's tenure as a Kings manager. I think he's done a very good job getting the team to play watchable hockey for the most part. I wouldn't say that that team is performing like fantastically, but you know, given where that roster is and, and how he's asked them to play and who he's using, the Kings are playing admirable hockey. It's something that I think should impress most folks, especially observers without a real stake in it. I'm sure not many people are actually paying attention to LA just because it's the Kings and they've been bad for a while, but that team is sneakily starting to improve. Speaking of other teams that have shown recent improvement, we've got San Jose beating St. Louis 5-4. The Sharks are one of those teams where it's like, on paper, they have an alright roster. I mean, aside from Martin Jones and that, it's a little bit scary as you start to look at some of the ages of these players, but a lot of those guys are still productive. And even Carlson, you know, having a really rough year relative to his standards, can still be a really dangerous blue liner. I mean, they've got a lot of interesting talent, and of course, I'm a big fan of Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer. I think those guys are very underappreciated. But, you know, the Sharks are, are definitely still another team that's probably in full rebuild mode. So, I don't know. These squads in the Pacific are all kind of in strange spots, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle the next few seasons, especially as they continue to add prospects. We also saw uh, New York being defeated by Pittsburgh. This is the Islanders of New York. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins won 3-2, to two, which is probably a nice change of pace. I think the Pens have had a really difficult time getting good performance, especially in net from Tristan Jari. Jari's been better over the past couple of games, and of, of course that offense from the Pittsburgh Pens is very dangerous, so I'd imagine that Pittsburgh fans are very happy with the turn in form. And uh, the Pens are going to be a real pain if they make the playoffs, which it seems like they should, because that's still a pretty decent team, even if they concede a lot of goals. Up next, we had Nashville defeating Columbus 4-2, and that was a pretty dominant performance. You know, Columbus is one of those squads where I feel like Roslovic and Line massively improved the team off the bat. And it's kind of crazy because while Line is especially good, Roslovic, you know, is, is definitely showing that he's probably a little bit of a late bloomer after struggling at center for the Jets. But they're both getting prime deployments, and it's easy to see that the Jackets really struggling with the roster that they had before. You know, this team is definitely not great under Tortorella, and they just don't have a whole lot of talent to show for it. Uh, Nashville is, is definitely a team I'm not really a big fan of, especially as they've uh, they've aged out, and I think Boyle is definitely not a great GM now, but apparently they can win games and in dominant fashion, which is pretty atypical of them. Um, we do see a very high-scoring game between Toronto and Montreal, Toronto prevailing 5-3. to three. I watched some of that game. It was very chaotic. I think both of these teams are going to be a pain for the Jets to contend with. The North may be pretty bad, but I, I think you have to be very wary of playing a team with Austin Matthews who just continues to rack up points left and right. And of course, he's got a great supporting cast of Nylander, Marner, and plenty of other dangerous players. I mean, we haven't even talked about John Tavares yet, so... Toronto, though a little bit older and slower this year, still very scary. And the Habs, of course, just play very fast, very uh, rapid counter hockey with some great crossing passing. Dangerous team. I'm not really looking forward to the games against them, but... We'll see if their recent downturn in form is enough to help the Jets out. Last but not least, we saw Carolina beating Tampa Bay 4-0. Again, the Canes are an extremely good team. They have all of the pieces to be a playoff threat. If their goaltending can hold and they can see off some of these teams like Tampa Bay with more regularity, 
you know, there's no reason to believe the Canes can't go far in the postseason and maybe even make a cup run. That wraps it up for the score lines, and now in just a moment we'll take a look at how those scores may be affecting the standings in the league as it stands. Before then though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why Built Bar might become your protein bar of choice. Longtime listeners of this podcast know by now that I'm a huge fan of Built Bars. If you've never had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend starting with raspberry and mint brownie. Those are some of my favorites, but if you can't decide, be sure to check out their variety box, which includes all 12 of their original flavors, plus six brand new flavors. That's right, six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I can personally attest to the fact that they're all delicious, but if I had to choose just one, I might opt for the cookies and cream flavor. I thought that one was fantastic. As good as Built Bars taste, though, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 14 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. Head on over to BuiltBar.com to place your order and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to receive 20% off your next order. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Before we close out tonight, I quickly wanted to give you a brief standings update. We'll go by top four in each division, starting from top to bottom. And we have the North Division with Toronto, then Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Montreal occupying the top four spots. That more or less seems fair, but I have a feeling we will see some movement. I would imagine Winnipeg is going to finish this season around fourth, just because I feel like Montreal eventually will start to recover and get a bit better form, and they're also going to play the Jets. Unless Winnipeg's goaltending and the addition of Pierre-Luc Dubois is enough to make a huge difference, I'm not really sure that the, the Jets are going to hold on to third place. The Oilers in second may not last, but Connor McDavid right now is just on a mad heater, so who even knows? This dude is just running through the North Division like a hot knife through butter, so maybe they can't. In the Central Division, we've got Carolina in first, then Florida, then the the Blackhawks, and Tampa Bay, which is a very funny arrangement because Chicago being in third place is, I think, a very surprising result, especially early on. Dallas, Nashville, and uh, Detroit all sitting below them is a bit surprising, but of course, you know, Dallas has only played 12 games so far, so I would imagine at some point some of these teams will start to close the gap, and I think the Stars are a very good squad. Even though they've only played uh, 12 games, they've already gotten 14 points, and based on the way that they've been uh, scoring and and really defending pretty well, I'd imagine that at some point that, that gap between them and the top four will start to close pretty quickly. In the very stacked East Division, we've also got Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, and Pittsburgh, which seems pretty fair. These teams are probably the strongest competitors in this very tight division, and I'd imagine the arrangement and placement more or less makes sense. Philadelphia might be a little bit higher than expected, but they certainly have the pieces to be an offensive threat. It's just kind of getting it all together, especially in terms of having the goaltending on the same page, because I think that's probably their biggest weakness right now, aside from a very uh, thin defensive back line. But if the team gets healthy and gets a bit more offensive depth, I think they'll be a very nasty squad. And of course, the Bruins are the Bruins. Very tough team to beat, very defensively disciplined. Great offense, great goaltending, just a really well-balanced squad. Last but not least, we've got the Western Division with St. Louis, Vegas, Colorado, and Los Angeles in the top four. LA is probably the only team that will surprise folks here, but I think the Kings, as I mentioned earlier, play very decent hockey, and, you know, Todd McClellan seems to be doing a pretty good job. The Yotes are hot on their heels, though, so the Kings are going to have to keep up this great offensive performance over the next several uh, weeks as they continue their season and continue to match up against teams that are likely chasing them in the division. You know, I think Colorado sitting in third place is probably not where some people thought, but of course they've only played 13 games, and Vegas has only played 14 as well, so Minnesota's also played around 14. A lot of these squads have had um, some schedule disruptions. It'll be interesting to see how the Wild reacts, just because the Wild, for a good stretch over the first couple of games, were actually playing very decent hockey, 
be interesting to know if that continues and if that actually makes a major impact. The Wild just beat the Ducks 5-1, so this is a squad that I think has a lot of potential to be an underrated sleeper hit throughout the rest of the season, and one that I'll be keeping a, a patient eye on. It's hard to say how many of these teams are genuinely great just because playing against in-division rivals repeatedly, and, and especially some of the teams where they're not so great, you know, their competitors are going to be uh, squads that are below them in the in the standings and really just lacking roster quality. Yeah, I think the North Division is probably the best example of this, so... It's hard to say who actually qualifies as great. Colorado and, and I think Vegas would be two of my big picks. And then, you know, certainly Boston is one of the others. But aside from that, it's a bit of a mishmash, and I feel like it's all subjective at this point, and it would really depend on how you feel about some of these, uh, I guess, the differences in quality of competition. Let me know who you think might host the Cup in just a few months uh, at HL Living Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. That will wrap up tonight's episode, though. Before you log up, be sure to check out Locked on NHL. Every Friday on Locked On NHL, join Jody Biasi of Locked On Sabres and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers as they round up the biggest stories of the week in the NHL and get you prepared for the league's busy weekend slate of games. From breaking down the latest blockbuster trade to sizing up the rivalry matchups on Saturday night, Joe and Tom have every angle of the league covered to close your week. Sub to Locked On NHL on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!